0: Welcome to Getting Curious, I'm Jonathan Van and every week I sit down for a gorgeous little 30-minute conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. This week, what I'm really curious about is uh, what it's like to be a woman in NASCAR, which is why I spoke with professional stock racer Julie Landauer.
1: Hey. This is a really
0: gorgeous topic. It's one that we've never covered before. I'm super-duper curious about even the subject in general. And then layering your a gorgeous agenda over the top of it is even more deep and interesting. Because, like, oh my god. Um, okay, so... Welcoming this week's guest, the gorgeous, the talented, the multifaceted, Julia Landauer.
2: Thank you. Did yeah. I nail your last
0: name on you that? You nailed it. And the first name. Right. You got oh everything my gosh. right. Triple South, Triple South, <laughs> out of the way. It's all free skating from here. Perfect. Um, okay, so you are literally a race car driver. Yes. Like a professional yes. a race car driver. Yeah. You're an athlete. Athlete. Um, Yeah, I mean, I convince me. Okay. I'm all ready. I'm ready for the challenge. This is no shade to like, because if someone came in here and was like, convince me why I should watch gymnastics, I would jump out of the chair and like be like, you came in my house and told me what to. <laughs> no, but like you know, because like my heterosexual family members, you know, they they watch racing. Growing up, I was like, I don't understand. I mean, I guess the pit, the pit crew, especially in RuPaul's Drag Race, is something that we love, right? Um, you know, I, I love you know. And it's cool, like, the quick movingness of it. But, like, wh- how do I watch it? What is she? Like, tell me about it.
2: Right. So I will say that getting to a NASCAR race really is a game changer. It is so electric because you have so many cars that are hundreds and hundreds of horsepower. And they're going around. And the ground vibrates. And there's so many people there. It's awesome people watching, I will say. And um, in terms of, like being an athlete and what's like for the drivers like we're muscling around 3400 pounds and it's really hot in the car because the motors up front so they've measured the hottest this year was like 150 degrees inside the car when they were racing outside of Chicago. I mean it's it's a sauna there and you're, you know, racing against other people who want to win just as badly as you do and the track changes as you're driving and the tires degrade and so you have to adjust for that. Oh, that's uh, why we have to do pit changes. That's why we have to do pit changes because your tires in a street car your tires last for a long time. But um, in a race car, you're going so fast, and there's so much friction and
0: g-forces, and uh, the rubber just literally comes off. Um, does the inside wheels or tires or the outside tires get more beating up, or does it depend? That's a great
2: question. On the banking on an oval track, like NASCAR is primarily ovals, um, just turning left, which is more much more than just turning left. There's but never- it's the outside tires.
0: And there's never race like in Australia. Do they go right?
2: Well, actually, we go right. Also, there are a handful of races. Like we go to Sonoma, which is like the classiest race on the schedule, and it's a left
0: and right turns, uphills, downhills. and oh. so those will get
2: worn a little more evenly. But they all get worn. So you have you need so to
0: there's stops. some tracks that are not ovals that are like kind of like a more like like I don't okay. I also, you're really gonna uh, stumble through no all the tracks. No judgment. No judgment here. I'm gonna stumble through all of them. Okay. You're not gonna stumble. But like Moda, motoc- is it like what's it called when it's not a circle? And it's like windy. So
2: road course racing. So like when you think of Formula One in Europe and all over the world. That's when you race
0: through streets.
2: You can do streets, and just primarily left and right hand turns. So sometimes it's a purpose-built racetrack in the middle of nowhere, yes. and then sometimes it's like Monaco, which that's like the big celebrity race that a lot of people go to, and that's on the streets of Monaco. So people are watching in their yachts and everything. It's great.
0: And how do they not crash on that race into buildings? Do they just make it a large... Well,
2: they put barriers on the street. So if you think of like a marathon or any kind of bike race on the street, they'll barricade it off, and so they crash into those sometimes. But... Like
0: con- but it's like concrete, so it can't move? Hopefully, mm. hopefully. So, what's F one? Is that just like a different um uh, league?
2: Yeah, basically, it's a different sanctioning body. It's a totally different type of race car. It's your, it's you know, global and NASCAR is primarily American. just American. Yeah. Have you so ever
0: done F one?
2: I haven't, but I started in Formula cars, so it was more that style. So we were actually the support race in the Montreal Formula One race in two thousand seven, and for the Indianapolis uh, Formula One race in two thousand seven when they still raced there. So got a sense of it, but. Um, I don't know it's pretty exciting to be doing NASCAR, especially with my background and being so different from the average NASCAR driver. Yeah, I want
0: to get into that. I want to get into Let's that. So, so, okay, so your name is Julia. You're a Gorge. You're a NASCAR driver. Where are you from? What's your story like? How did you get into it? Like, where did you become obsessed?
2: Yes. So I am from New York City. So you right are? here. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up by Lincoln Center. And Love. It's me and my younger sister and my younger brother. And when I was about ten, my parents were looking for an activity that we could all do together on the weekends, and they wanted something their girls could do against boys, which I didn't realize how special I had it uh, growing up because that's really powerful, especially because like in the real world, women and men have to interact. So why not learn how guys act in a competitive environment at age twelve? Right. Yeah. So by the time I was around 11 or 12, I loved it. I loved winning. I loved working with adults. I loved the responsibility that I How had. How did you get into it? Just my parents found a go-kart track. So the A same literal track go-kart track. In Cutterbackville, New York. So it's about two hours outside the city. And so we kept carts there and everything. And it's the same track that Marco Andretti raced at. So Mario Andretti's grandson. Um, it was, all. It, I mean, I love it. It's intoxicating because it's just, you get into this zone. And whether it's, you know, when you're taking a test or writing a paper or working on a project, just like, that full, like all other senses go away. You're just in there and just kind of like operating on a
0: subconscious level. It was addicting. And you, um, and you guys would race like go karts at first.
2: Yeah, so like really com- not like bumper cars, but if you've been to indoor karting, like with kind of faster electric carts, like it's more like that. But we use gasoline and
0: carburetors and yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and you were racing them, like, in high school and stuff?
2: Yeah, so I got into race cars when I was 13, um, and I had to do a rigorous, like, three-day racing school, two-day advanced braking and technique school to prove that I could do it. And then I wanted to- So you can do that
0: before you're 16.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think- I think the average person on the street might not be able to. The fact that I had raced go karts for a bunch of years up to that point, I think helped. Um, But then I proved that I could do it. And then I won a championship when I was 14 in the Skip Barber Racing Series. And that was like, Yeah. So I was like, Oh my God, I can do it. I got to keep doing this. And kind of ran a lot of partial seasons throughout high school um, and then college. But I switched to kind of NASCAR style when I was about 16.
0: Because, you know, in my mind, I feel like I understand the path of like a figure skater or like a gymnast you know it's like you compete with like a club and then you like got to go to like regional and then you gotta like get on like the team and you gotta get on like the elite team and you gotta get it's like there's like a whole thing so like what does it look like for someone getting it that wants to be, become a nascar person like when they're little it's like they're six and their michelle kwan is that andretti guy
2: yeah and um i guess it, there are a bunch of different paths and i took a different path but a lot of people start in go-karts or in like these kind of like little mini cars almost but you really need the parental involvement it's expensive right there's a high financial barrier to entry so that's going to Limit who can do it anyway, which is actually, I think, part of the reason that you don't see more girls and they're Like, a family only has resources for one kid to go racing, it's more likely going to be the boy, mm. um, just culturally. And so there's that. But then it's a lot of experimenting. Like, I switched to NASCAR style only because, initially, because someone who was a competitor early on, we were pretty equal. And then he just kicked my ass at one of these races um, in the rain. And so I was like, why did he get so good? And he actually had done oval racing and just helped with – his ability to control the car and just react more quickly so i thought let me improve my skills that way and then i fell in love with the racing because it was just so exciting to be like side by side with someone for laps on end it's like a game of chicken like who's gonna mess up first or who's gonna pass and it's just oh it's so exciting
0: oh my God, so that so because like your baby brain you know because our brains are like Pharmacies. So, like, she's probably just making so much adrenaline and endorphin oh, and yeah. stuff. And you're just getting, like, all strung out on your gorgeous chemicals.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is an emotional and it's like the highest highs and the lowest lows. And what's interesting as a sport, like, they say to, like, try to pursue racing, you've got to be a little crazy just because success rate is so
0: low. And there and are 40. Like, Dane? It's dangerous. Stress. I will say
2: NASCAR is definitely, like, I like having fenders and having, like, a full. Is body that in car. NASCAR? That's NASCAR. So the NASCAR cars look like a streetcar, kind of, in the fact that they're, like, fully covered with a full body and um, but like IndyCar and Formula One, it's more of those like really skinny cars with the wheels exposed and like a big wing on the back and the heads exposed. So that stuff's been a little more dangerous as the technology gets pushed and they get faster. And um, but NASCAR is really safe, and they put a lot of work in because I think Dale Earnhardt Sr. was the last person to die. No, uh, yeah, but that was I remember that. Years ago. It was. Yeah, so it's been. A I long remember that being time. on the news. Oh, it was huge. It was a game changer for the sport, and it. But it because no one could believe, and it was a. It wasn't a particularly dramatic accident. It wasn't like this fiery crash. It was. It was pretty minor and standard. And so the fact that something so understated could be so, you know, terrible and fatal. Um, They did a lot of work in, you know, kind of neck restraints that we now use, and they're mandatory. Oh, so you're
0: kind of like your... It's like a
2: carbon fiber... Neck brace, almost. It starts in the back. It's all one piece, and it comes down over the front of your shoulders. And then the seat belts strap it in, so you can't um, move. You can't get whiplash. Basically,
0: can you look to the right and left?
2: Limited, and also our seats are so big and purpose built. So we have spotters who stand high in the stands above the track to kind of help us not hit. Oh, things. really? Yeah, yeah. And
0: they're so in your ear. They're like they're that fucking ear. nightmare is like right, you fucking like right, go right, go right. Inside. Yeah,
1: exactly.
2: Inside, inside, clear, clear, clear. Go, go, go. Or, or like. All right, it's been in front of you. I mean, and so what's so How interesting. Fun. Oh, it's fun. And that
0: relationship is so important. Is right? there only one on your team?
2: There's one per driver, but then there's also sometimes the crew chief. So I will explain Ugh. what I want the car to do differently. So the crew chief doesn't talk as much, but they can. But yeah, my spotter or driver coach, And they're in an earpiece. Yeah, so we have big headphones kind of like this. Well, uh-huh. they do. I have little like A little personal big, earbud, molded yes. earbuds. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this really soft gel. Ah pretty gross but um no it's gorgeous <laughs> how long
0: does a race take
2: mine take about two hours now.
0: oh my god how many fucking laps if literally it, 500 is that why it it, doesn't var- need
2: it varies depending on the distance of the track but like the first one i did this season was 300 laps oh but it my was on a god. third mile racetrack so you're like trying not to get dizzy fuck me
0: has there ever been a time where like one team like hacked another team's like channel to hear them to say like what their direct or what like what their guider was saying
2: they yeah so the radio channels are open so you can technically hear and like NASCAR will broadcast radio communication especially if it's interesting or insightful to the fans and so there are teams that use code words like when they're going to pick because when you come in off the track to make your tire change or fill with gas or make an adjustment on the chassis um, what's the chassis the frame of the car so mm. that's how we fine tune it we make changes to the geometry of oh my it.
0: god so that's another part of this board because like you have like if there's just like a little bit of the thing fucked up with the with the frame mm. or whatever but you're like oh would it is it worth it to take like the three minutes to fix mm-hmm. it now because it's well, like 13 it seconds cut. but yeah oh right. so a frame adjustment only takes a 13 pit, seconds it
2: stops so it's to take 13 seconds
0: every single time if you're doing your job properly. Even but what if you're but what if you if have to do a, a frame adjustment?
2: Well they're really quick and so it's really easy access with the right tools you can just make changes
0: my through. new ones what um is there a way that you could get in a wreck and still keep going if there was like yeah. a major adjustment
2: yeah i mean and then that's what i think even if even if you're not going to be competing for the win most teams try to get the car back out on the track so like for instance on my first race this season um my axle broke so that we didn't fix because once the axle breaks the wheels don't spin so it's hard to you know
0: go for the forward. axle is like that rod that the wheels are on
2: yeah yeah it's connected and so it spins yeah spins the wheel so when those don't work anymore then you don't and it just going. broke because
0: you hit a bump like really hard or something. it was just
2: it, it, it's not supposed to break it's just like a kind of freak no failure, uh... you know? but then there's other stuff like like you can even hit the wall parallel like if you just come out of the corner a little too much but you hit it parallel to the wall and you can keep going from that and a lot of times you'll get cosmetic damage like if you bump the person in front of you or you know there it just it happens so there's a lot of stuff that you can keep doing or where like the way the, the way the wheels are angled is set a certain way. So if you make contact with someone, if one of those gets knocked out, you can still race. You're not going to be as fast as if it were perfect. But you. that's part of the driver's job is when they don't have a perfect vehicle, how well can you race it? Like anyone can drive a perfect car really well, right? Uh, and so uh. it's really the good drivers are those who can make
0: the best out of something that's not good. And so a pit – got it. And so a pit stop should only – ever take 13 seconds for all adjustments
2: well and you're not making a ton and like sometimes it'll be fine but the big meat of the changes are usually um the tires and the gas and you have to refuel and there's certain regulations for how many people can work on the car oh yeah so it's heavily regulated
0: So on the oval track where the people are standing from way above, is it like on the oval and there's like little perches and and like each team has like a different perch? Well, do you
2: know what a NASCAR track looks like where you have the track and then the grandstands? It's almost like a football stadium. So the stands and the seats are on the outside. So they're basically at the top of those so they can see the whole thing. And sometimes if it's a big track, they have to use binoculars to see on the other side of the track. But everyone stands together and that's what's so interesting. And actually I have a story about... When my spotter driver coach realized that there was gender differences because they were all together, which I can go into that if you want. Yes. Okay. So the spotter stand, everyone stands there, but on an oval track because that you constantly hear them and it's really loud, the spotters can't really hear what other driver, what other spotters are saying to their drivers. Right? They're in their own world. But at one track in 2016, um, I was racing basically in the last of minor leagues of NASCAR, and the last, last of of the minor leagues.
0: So there are three. There's no more minor leagues. Well. Oh, I, mean- I
2: just—it's the last one before you get to the pro. Oh, yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah. I thought you meant like no, that no. was like
0: a different era when, no, no, and I was no, like, no, no. oh my god, so devastating. Like there's the no last minor level leads. before you go got pro. it. Um, now you're a fucking pro.
2: Trying, yeah. Um, but so it's not your fault. You're a pro. Uh, I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Um, but it was interesting because I've always noticed that, you know, no one wants to get beat by the girl, and and if the driver doesn't really care, then their team's gonna be like you know, don't get beat by the girl. There's all the jokes. And that's fine. Like, I know that people will race me harder, but um, it was interesting because my driver coach who had raced in the series for years and he had won a couple championships, he didn't, he was the first time, I was the first person, first female he was working with. And so there were a couple things. He won, he noticed that other guys were like working way harder to move me out of the way instead of passing me cleanly, like bumping me out of the way, Mm. or would block me more than they would probably another male competitor. But the one that really blew his mind was that We were racing on one of those tracks that goes left and right. So the farthest part off on the track, the spotters could actually hear each other as they were talking to the driver, and he heard this other guy. I was in fourth, and this guy was in third, and I was a little bit faster, so I was, you know, getting ready to pass him, and my spotter heard the other spotter say, don't let that bitch pass you. Like, if she's getting on the inside, knock her off the road. Like, and my spotter was like, oh my god, like, I know I wouldn't want to get beat by the girl, but they're actually saying to like damage her run her off the road before you get passed by her and for him i think that was this like you know really triggering point and i talk about um male allies as a really important thing for women especially in male dominated fields and i think that was kind of like a breakthrough moment where he was like wow she's got a way harder uphill battle than most people do and he got was able to have that empathy from then on out and kind of explain that to the other guys and his voice was like much stronger
0: than mine and so you use that right you like You build those relationships And it's super helpful Yeah I mean you definitely need Like men that are in those situations Because I mean that's how you really I learned that on this podcast From um, W. Kamau Bell And he talks about how Like you have to use Like with you know White privilege Like you have to use Privilege it's, like, when the doors are closed yeah. and it's, like, all a bunch of, like, white people and someone says something, that's when you, like, have to call them out. It's, like, I mean, obviously on Twitter you got to, like, be active and, and whatever, but, like, really it's, like, in your conversational, like, day-to-day interactions with people. And so you absolutely need, like, male allies yeah. and and in and, and male-dominated fields. and. That's just so fucked up, but I also think it's just interesting that even him as an ally, he said at the beginning like, of that story, like, well, right. I know I wouldn't even want to get beat by girls. It was and heartbreaking was like, oh, for me to hear that, but I was
2: like, yeah, it's still...
0: But it's like, well, fuck, like, why? Like, it's, I mean, women are typically very good at stuff. Yeah. Like, they're very, yeah. very, very good at stuff. Yeah.
2: And it's just, in, I mean, you know it's fine to it's beat,
0: <laughs> I've gotten girls in all sorts of stuff. I mean, I, I don't mind, sorts All sorts, you, of, all sorts of stuff.
2: And it's just, like, also... I don't know. It's so even like
0: lots of physical ass stuff. Women are good at stuff.
2: Yeah, we're good at stuff, and I think I hope it gets more normalized. I think as we see, hopefully, more women become more successful and like win at the top levels of racing, it'll become better. But it's just, I mean, it's such a hard culture to try to work. But with. we have to
0: like we are like we're only like beginning to crack this nut. So you guys like we'll be right back with more getting curious after this. Oh my god, with Julia Landrow, NASCAR racing
1: professional thank you okay right
0: back with more honey take a moment and just think to yourself describe yourself in one word are you simple sophisticated or adventurous however you dress the stylist at stitch fix can help you find your favorite piece stitch fix is an online personal styling service that delivers your favorite clothing shoes and accessories directly to you First, you complete a style profile, then an expert personal stylist will send you a hand-picked box of items based on your preferences. They even have men's and kids' boxes too, which we love, honey. Let's get everyone, uh, you know, taken care of. Plus, I'm sure you can mix and match if they aren't, you know, in the dark ages. What if you want something from both? With no subscription required, you can pick between automatic shipments or only getting new pieces on demand. Shipping, exchanges, and returns are always free. Plus, the $20 styling fee is automatically applied towards anything you keep from your box. We love our Stitch Fix personal stylists. I can customize my own gorgeous preferences, whether it's sizing, brand, or budget. Once you finish the style quiz and set up your ideal number of deliveries, honey, you'll receive everything from jewelry to shoes to bags, all to go with your hand-picked outfits. I love that. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash JVN and get an extra 25% off when you keep everything in your box. That's S-T-I-T-C-H fix.com slash JVN for an extra 25% off when you keep everything in your box. Support for today's show comes from Rakuten. Rakuten is a free member-based loyalty program that lets you earn up to 40% cash back at over 2,500 stores. It's perfect for all your back-to-school shopping needs. Get cash back on everything from school supplies to new clothes at some of your favorite retailers like Macy's, Forever 21, Walmart, and more. And don't worry, it's always free. No gimmicks, no points to redeem. Better yet, Rakuten is so simple and easy to use. Simply go to Rakuten.com, click on the retailer you're looking for to activate the cash back, and then shop as normal. You'll earn a percentage of every purchase you make up to 40% cash back. Then, every three months, members will be paid in the form of a check or via PayPal. Sign up today at Rakuten.com. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N dot com. If there is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp Online Counseling can help. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are specialized in issues such as depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma anger, family conflicts, LGBTQ matters, grief, self-esteem, and more. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment and get help at your own time and at your own pace. Anything you share is confidential and it's so convenient. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions as well as chat and text with your therapist. If for some reason you are not happy with your counselor though, you can request a new one at any time and for no additional charge. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Getting Curious with Jonathan Van Ness Listers can get 10% off your first month with the discount code jvn so why not get started today go to betterhelp.com slash jvn then simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with the counselor you'll love that's betterhelp.com slash jvn you can hear ad-free new episodes of getting curious plus two weekly bonus episodes only on stitcher premium for a free month of stitcher premium go to stitcherpremiumcom slash jvn and use promo code jvn Welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Van Ness. Um, okay, so I okay, so when I think l- uh, women NASCAR drivers, the first one that comes in my head is that Dan- Danica Patrick. Patrick. Thank God I was. Thank you God were, you, got, uh, you got, it. nailed it. And um, is she still racing. What's going on with her? No, so she retired last year. No, yeah. uh, So
2: she's about nine years older than me, and so I think she's thirty six now. Um, and
0: here's the little baby girl. Yeah. yeah. Good for you. Thank you. <laughs>
2: there are a lot of really young kids in racing, like 18, 19, 20 nineteen, twenty-year-olds. So I'm starting to feel a little older, but that's no. okay. Um So she retired. So there are no women at the top level at Tier Two. There's one who races Tier Three, but not like she kind of sh- she shows up and she races, but she doesn't always finish the races. It's on a really limited budget. What are Tier? So Tier One is like the Cup Series, and that's what if you like what Danica raced, Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon, the big ones. They have a Tier Two, which is basically support races like the day before the cup races so and that's like
0: the mi- the moderate major league?
2: Yeah, I'm not really sure what it translates to in other sports,
0: but is it minor leagues ish, kind of? I
2: guess kind of, yeah. Like a like little more bit elevated minor
0: leagues? Yeah, like a more yeah. elevated. It's like it's like, like it's like you can it's, make it's
2: a, like a full living and many people just race at that yeah, level professionally.
0: It's like if there was like at baseball games, it's like if there was like a warm up baseball game like right before yes. the baseball game. Yeah, yes. so like, I
2: like the equivalent of that.
0: It's almost like J V but fiercer. Yeah, like, like J V a... but professional. Yeah, and know, like yeah. money. Yeah, lots of money. Yeah, and yeah. then tier three is like,
2: just like a slightly lesser,
0: yeah, and like fewer races per year. And... Yeah, that's almost like freshman, like yeah, freshman cheer level. That. It's like yeah. freshman cheer level, but with money and fiercer. Yeah. Okay. Got yeah.
2: it. Yeah, and like live so... television and everything. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: So you so there's okay so there's a lady in tier
2: three three who re- runs most of the races. Uh-huh. Um, but and with drivers,
0: but with... Danica was
2: a tier. T- one. She was One top yeah, level. She's yeah. top up. top up, Yeah, and she raced yes. IndyCar before that's so she ran the Indy five hundred and she did like the big American racing. Um and so it's tough and you see. But Indy five
0: hundred isn't part of NASCAR. No,
2: no, no. no. It's a different IndyCar.
0: So there's Indy.
2: IndyCar is another type of governing body. Yes, yes. You have Formula One's the big one, and then you have NASCAR's the big one, and then IndyCar is the other big one. So there's okay, got it. There's three main ones, and there's offshoots, but yeah. But those are the three main ones. Yeah, no, that's all you need to know, though. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So it's but it's interesting because I think. it goes beyond just the driver also like what i love about racing also is that it's the human machine interaction it's like maximizing technology maximizing human performance i think that's really cool i studied that stuff at school and um but you don't see a lot of women engineers or there are no women crew chiefs so making all of the calls there's uh, none there's none there are two i think lead engineers so they you know oversee a lot of the cars there are Handful of female mechanics who do the pit stops, um, but I mean, of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of right. people. There aren't very
0: many. So From the eighties uh, and the nineties to now, do you see like any incremental progress? Like maybe if it was like at zero percent, is it at like yeah, seven exact. now or something? I don't think
2: it's seven, but I like Five? there are a handful of women in three the... percent. We don't know. I don't percentage. know the exact percent just because I don't know all the like, numbers. Why do but I need to
0: know numbers about Jonathan. Oh, <laughs> no, oh <God. laughs>
2: no, no, no. But it's it's single digit percentage. If if a full single digit and um, it's I think it is starting to change, but I mean just like a lot of other fields you have to deal with the culture and I do think that's changing a little bit and I think um, you see more women in the grassroots levels and I think that's helping but it's still we can it's not just talent right it's also the financial component. sponsorship drives NASCAR and or all of racing and so it just adds that extra level of detail and complexity um, and makes it tough.
0: Yeah because so because you got to get like the car yeah. itself.
2: Yeah, it's like it's millions and millions of dollars to run a car for a full season, have the backup cars, and have all the tires and gas. But is and, it one of those
0: things that once you start winning, once you get it together, like then you really can make some gorgeous money? But you got to like spend money to make money, sort yes, of a thing.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, fuck.
2: Yeah, and the model really changed. So I think in the early two thousands, when NASCAR was really big, there was much more corporate. You know, corporate was really leading, and and teams were really investing in up and coming drivers based on talent, and would pay those initial buy in fees basically, and um. And I think that's changed as the recession happened. I think that had a big impact. As you know, sports change in the digital era; it's totally different. I think I think most sports and more, most companies are trying to figure out how to thrive in a suddenly. very You got to get on the Instagram.
0: Digi- yeah. Are you on the gram? Oh, on the
2: gram. Yeah, on all. Are the you platforms. doing all? Are you
0: doing all the like? This is how an engine oh, works. Yeah. Like, are you like... Some
2: of that. I'm showing behind the scenes and showing, like, what a day at the shop What's looks like. What's your gram? At Julia Landauer. Oh, my yeah. God. Spell it. J-U-L-I-A-L-A-N-D-A-U-E-R.
0: If you didn't hear it again, it's...
2: J-U-L-I-A-L-A-N-D-A-U-E-R.
0: Get on it, girl. Yes. So you definitely have experienced, you know, you're in a male-dominated field. You're, like, one of the few, like, women in this field What are some of the listeners listening, like, in the world of, like, cars and, like, talk and shop and, like – because that's one place where I feel really, like, vulnerable and stuff. Like, I always feel like – it's like if you came in and you were like, oh, I want a couple highlights. And I was like, okay, great. Well, that'll be $13,000. um. Uh, yeah and then you can pick it up in like two weeks and um, <laughs> you know and uh, great like enjoy it it's like cause like I, but then it's like really does it really take that long is it really that expensive it's like cause I don't know anything about cars and I always feel like these yeah. heterosexuals are taking me for a ride when I go in there like mm-hmm. is there anything about like car culture that you've learned from car culture that like us if you're not a race car driver but you could still like glean from it or something uh, that's
2: a real you know I don't think I've ever been asked that question so thank you for a new one um it you know, I'll be honest, I'm a bigger racer than I am, like, car person. Is that, are
0: those, because are, are those not the, are those really, like, Well, like, like the
2: uh... car, well, one, I grew up in New York City, so I didn't get my driver's license until I was 18, and then I went to college, and I didn't really use it very much. So, like, the last four years have been my prime driving on the road yeah. experience um, and I honestly find it very frustrating so you take
0: why because there's just so many stoplights
2: stoplights and speed limits and not doing the speed limits and sitting in the left lane guys the worst thing you can do is sit in the left lane just especially don't do if it. you're not doing the speed if there's it's someone a legal behind in you get a- I think it's illegal in I Missouri I love it in states where you need to stay right and they also have signs that say slow car stay right and just from a psychology standpoint it's like why would anyone admit that they're the slow car the sign should say and they say this is in New Jersey stay right except to pass that would be so much better. You oh, because then it's almost like
0: it's like Cause... enticing dumb rebels to like, yeah, to just like like, but fuck just like with stay it.
2: right instead of like slow cars move over.
0: It's like, well, I'm not. Oh, slow don't car, call I'm him out. A, yeah, but it makes me want to feel like a rebel and be like, well, I'm just gonna stay in the left then. Uh.
2: It's frustrating. I know, but I don't mean to.
0: I don't mean to. No, it's okay. It's Sometimes okay. Sometimes I do it because I feel safer because I feel like there's no one around me over there.
2: I, I get that. I get that. But, but that's why but...
0: I'm like on the wide open road or something.
2: Yeah, and it's different. I, I don't know. And just like I feel like I've only lived in really congested areas with New York and the Bay Area. And even Charlotte's a little congested right now.
0: Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Wait, Because you have to go there for a lot of races? Yeah,
2: so I live in Charlotte.
0: Oh, and- you do? Yeah. Charlotte, North Carolina? Charlotte, North Carolina. You do? I do. What's it like right now?
2: It's fun, yeah. I mean, and are you I'm, are you
0: because you're but you're born and raised in New York, but you live in Charlotte right now because that's just like kind of like a hub for like. Well,
2: NASCAR is based there, and so it it's is? really cool to um, to be able to just like. If I want to take a meeting with someone at NASCAR, just drive the seven minutes from my apartment to NASCAR's headquarters there, or to go meet with a team, and so that's really cool. Go meet with a team. Yeah, so like if I like I have friends who work at teams, or like if I have questions about you know how the structure works in terms of bringing on a new driver, or if there's interest from another team, or like where my team's. I currently race in the Canadian NASCAR series, actually, uh-huh. so kind of another type of minor league of NASCAR. But when I was racing on the East Coast last year, I had a couple races, and so my team shop was in like Concord, North Carolina, so. So just being able to get there, so it's really cool to be part of the community. And I think it's really important to live in places that you didn't grow up. Like I think it's really important to experience different cultures, which the South is definitely a different culture than the Northeast. Yeah. Um, but it's been really interesting, and I'm very grateful. I don't think I'll live there forever. Like I'm, every time I come back to New York, it's just like, ooh, this is so great. The yeah. people are so pretty and well dressed, and yeah. I miss walking on the street. Actually, even though it's really humid right now, yeah, like it's, it's real... rivaling ri- rivaling the South. No,
0: it, yeah, it's no joke. This this week. This it's it's is, no joke. It's rough. Yeah, it, that's a thing. Yeah. So, okay, so it's not so much the same as, like, car culture necessarily. Oh, yeah, but, that but, question. <laughs> no, but but what have you learned about, or what have you observed about, like, about women in male-dominated fields and, and yeah. what it is to, to be, yeah. to, and to take up space in that way and, and to do it in a way that, You know, you feel, like, empowered and safe and gorge and, like, respected and stuff. Like, what are you learning?
2: And I talk a lot about this one because I give motivational speeches. That's actually how I pay my bills. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I talk about this a lot because I think, for me, it's always been really important to be respected. And I think everyone has their – especially in a male-dominated field, most people will have their preconceived notions of what a woman in that space is like. And so I really – try to be my authentic self, which is hardworking, disciplined, you know, and I want to, I want to find what's relatable about any person, and so I think showing that I can shoot the shit with the guys, but then also help motivate them, and and I think the biggest thing I learned in 2016, in that same season where I had the spotter who was learning all about working with the woman driver, was how to be a good leader in the sense that the driver's this weird... Position on the team because at the one hand we get all the glory, right? We are the race car drivers. Without the team setting up the car properly, like we would not be able to be glorious. And so it's this weird dynamic of being the center of the team, but also needing to be humble enough to know that you couldn't be there without the dozens of people working. Yes, I totally know exactly what you're talking about. And so then for me, I really had to learn the different things that different people needed on the team, like. One of my, one of the guys on the team, I needed like rah-rah, like, we're going to go win. You got this. Like, let's go for it. And then another guy who was working more on the car, I called him and we talked about like the homework I did and like what I wanted on the car and more kind of almost more like academic approach to the racing and just really figuring out what different people needed and trying to break down what they might subconsciously be thinking of me as a New York City race, Stanford-educated, you know, female race car driver. It's like there are a lot of negative associations with a lot of those labels. And so just showing that, like, I'm a racer, I'm competitive, that I want to win just as badly as they do. And that, you know, second place is first loser. Like, that's a big mentality. I mean, obviously, you're not going to win every race. But really just trying to build up that um, that ethos and that uh, respect amongst the team and showing that I can be one of the guys, but that we can also lead the team. Cute. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's fascinating. And it's, it's, it's really cool to kind of share those little bits about male allies and, like, observing differences and stepping up for the the voice that might not be heard. I think that's a really big thing. I think fighting the stereotypes, because, you know, everything with aggression and women being bitchy or, like, pushovers, and there's, like, no middle ground, and um, I think that's something that really has to be addressed. And, you know, I think I, I've realized that you don't really hear a lot of women talking about liking to win, and I think Serena Williams does a really good job about it, and I think you're seeing it more, but it's, like, not polite, right? <laughs> and it's, like, not a feminine thing to do and I think that's really harmful so I I try to encourage that especially in girls and you know I think a lot of it stems in childhood and you know one of the observations or study I read was that um, adults when they greet like a little kid like a three to five year old they're more likely to comment on a little girl's appearance Mm. and a little boy's either size or strength or something more like proactive right and so if a little girl hears like oh you look so pretty or your dress is so cute that's what's going to be important as she grows up and then okay, so it's
0: like the formative years of the psyche yeah
2: and so if you're if you know that your appearance is what gets the first reactions then that's what you're going to focus on and i think that has other effects and so it's I've done a lot of research because it is so difficult and I find myself falling into, like, traditional trends. And it's just, But it's empowering, too, to know that there's a lot of literature out there that kind of justifies why we feel a certain way. And for me, my reaction was, like, all right, well, fuck it. I can go. Like, now I know everyone feels like this. Like, I don't feel abnormal. Yeah. And and so that's why, for me, talking about being a woman in a male-dominated field is really important. And that's something that I think Danica made the decision not to, which is fine. Like, everyone deals with it their own way. But to... Let other women and girls know that I'm going through some stuff that they might be going through in a different field. I think that's so powerful. And I've been so privileged to do what I love. And I get to just, I get to do so many incredible things and meet people to share that I think is super important.
0: I think so too. And I think I really respect you for being open and, you know, being open and and sharing that. When sometimes when you say certain things about, um, like you were saying earlier about, you know, like, having to negotiate, like, what, like, this guy needs and what that guy needs, and I think that that, some of that stuff goes to people, but it also, oh, yeah, that you were saying that, like, you needed to show them that, you know, even though that you're Stanford educated and that you're a female, that, like, you still want to win and that second place is, is first loser or whatever, like, I felt like there was, like, a lot of interesting sentences in there, but I, but it's, like, it's kind of the thing of dating of like, well I really want a partner but I hate playing games. It's like mm-hmm. do you have to it's like it's almost like you're having to feed into the patriarchy in some ways by submitting to its ridiculous fucking needs about like you know, second place is first loser. The fact that you're even out there doing any of it and that you're passionate and that you work so hard and that you even do this homework yeah. to me is like all that is reason enough. Even if you got 17th place every time, which I get, you probably don't get the same big cardboard cutout checks that you got in Happy Gilmore for 17th <laughs> place. Is if you got like first or second, or whatever. So I get that it's like a money thing too. But I just I hate that that. Well, I hate the strong word, but it 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 breaks my heart that for someone who I've oh, I've spent this much time with, but I know that you are passionate. I know that you're well educated. I know that you're like, but not even. I mean, I know that you're passionate about racing, and I get you get it. And I I I that sucks that you have to. Prove yourself more. Oh, totally. Yeah. And then it's like, but then it's like, I almost, I think, you know, dealing, combating toxic masculinity, I want to figure out how to further unplug that in general right so that like the women on the front lines like having to deal with this in male-dominated in male-dominated workplaces and just let's face it like in general it's male-dominated because it's been like the a world male is it, yes so it's like just in the world like so that the women that are on the front lines having to deal with this like i want us to be taking the plug out of the machine that causes this to happen anyway
2: yeah and i think i think i have a couple things and i think those are all really good points so with the first loser, that's just a, that's more of a personal thing. Like, I'm a competitive person, and I like winning. But um, I think... And thank with, God, because you're an athlete, you need <laughs> to be able you to, need do, to do that. Things. Yeah. But I think also, like, there's a big debate about, you know, how do you fight for equality? What's the right way to do it? And I think that's a pretty bad way to look at it because every person is so different so what you know someone who has a personality a woman who might not tolerate any kind of bullshit and calls it out all the time and like you know isn't feeding into the patriarchy that might be what's natural for her like for me that's not natural and especially in a teamwork environment like at the end of the day it's more important for me to figure out how to make all of us successful than to only push my agenda and i feel i feel like building Building empathy through example. So, like, and it, it does suck that like I won a championship in 2015, and then I went to my team in 2016, and I felt like I had like they still didn't really expect me to win. Like that sucks. Like I did everything I had to do to prove that I was a winner by winning a championship, and so that really is aggravating. But then I think a lot of a lot of guys, especially, just don't necessarily have examples um, of of women doing things that they wouldn't associate with women fields. Like, a lot of times I'm the first woman in a super male-dominated field that they're dealing with, and so it's new, and I think being empathetic that it's new for them, and it's not necessarily, like, active, you know, um, bias, I'm blanking on the word I really want. Or no, it's like, it's not
0: active like sexism, they're just, like, newly Yeah, it's what
2: they're used to, and so if I don't give them the chance to learn, then that's pretty pretentious and high and mighty of me, which I also don't want to come off like i want to give people the benefit of the doubt if they fuck it up then like then we reassess and yeah. like att- attack it a different way but i'm not going to assume that someone's actively trying to be nasty until they prove it and plenty of people have proven that they don't give a shit yeah about you're giving them an well. a
0: plus to start or you're giving them an a to start off with and yeah. then if they like you know don't it, or if they don't give you that respect to keep the a then like you if reassess. they don't want
2: to work with me then we deal with it but yeah. a lot of times they just need oh, people will just need that like that benefit the doubt. And again, as soon as I get screwed over, if that happens, like, I'm not going to get walked over. You deal yeah. with it. But that hasn't happened very much. So that's good. For, I think that's a good indicator of, like, what I'm doing, working for me at least.
0: Okay. So I love that story. I'm living for you. So then back to my initial thing. Um My initial question, which is like, you know, tell me why I need to like watch racing, like why it's fierce. Like I want to hear like race stories. So it's like you're in the thing, you're starting, you have like your gorgeous jelly, your (laughs) pieces in and they're talking to you and it's really fast paced. What does like a race look like? And how do you like, because if it's like 300 laps, is it really at the beginning, just not about having a blowout, not about like fucking up and just staying in the top quarter of it till like the last couple
2: So perseverance is key. And I will be, I think a lot of people in the industry will admit that the races are pretty long. And so if you're just going to tap into watch a little bit, watch the beginning and maybe watch the end. And so you see everyone going, you want to go hard initially and- you know show, make sure your car is working well you want to drive hard enough so that you can tell if you need to make changes to the car um you know there are some rivalries on track that people like watching for um, some i find some tracks more interesting to watch just because of the nature of it but i think if you have a hero the nature of it in the sense so that like it's some like some tracks going left, are right. really bang, some tracks are really big and they get more spread out some are smaller and there's more like active racing and passing and everything and i think having the heroes that you're rooting for is really important and like for me i like watching tier three a lot the nascar truck series because i know a lot of people and old teammates are racing in it and truck like series is that where it's like trucks That's the, yeah they look like trucks but they're still they're nascar all... race cars but they
0: are they look like trucks but in that in the tier three is all trucks yeah yeah cute okay got yeah. it yeah, yeah. got it got yep. it yep so um okay so and then it's really about perseverance and then at the end just like really getting like
2: balls to the wall who wants to win more who has the car to do it and so it's this culmination of You know, the driver working really hard, the team's working really hard, the equipment lasting, you know, avoiding bad luck if there's a big crash or not getting crashed out or, you know, making that awesome move that just slightly unsettles the person in front of you and then you're able to make a crazy pass. And um, I think, again, I really think if if you can get to a NASCAR race and just experience it and feel it because – Again, we're muscling around these cars. It's so hot. It's so loud, and it's vibrating. And you know what I find interesting about NASCAR is that it's one of the most accessible athlete sports. Like fans can be walking around with us right before we get in the car. Like, can you imagine being able to just go chill with all the NFL players on the field, like and asking for autographs and taking pictures like minutes before they get ready to play? I mean, it's it's an incredible uh, switch that I think racers are able to do to go from that and being fan friendly and wanting to like give people that experience. And then going and wanting to kill all the other people on the track. And I say that in a,
0: like, yeah, 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 no, of way. course.
2: For hours on end. I mean, and it's, but I really do think it's about the heroes and the fact that not everyone can be a race car driver. It is so hard. There's so many inputs that are coming in the way the track is changing, the way the car is changing, the way you're changing. If you're not physically fit enough, you'll fatigue, and then you'll start thinking about that instead of thinking about the car. Um, you know, any little thing goes wrong on the car, and you need to adjust. And so I think, um, I think what makes racing tough is that kids don't play it when they're growing up. Like, you can relate to a basketball player. You can relate to a gymnast. You can relate to a swimmer. Not many people can relate to a racer. So, I think...
0: Yeah, they don't understand, like, why it's... It's not
2: sitting on the highway and, like, turning left. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I think that makes it tough. But, I mean, finding the people that you really like to follow and I think if you if you like speed getting to it, it's like a big party at the track they make it really fun and
0: is there like once you become a fan of it and you start to follow it is there things where it's like you know like that guy that was like Michael Jordan's coach for all those years like like one person's like spotter like goes like to another team and it's controversial because like your favorite like is there ever oh, stuff yeah, like and that
2: heated moments and drivers will get into fights with each other and you know teams will then get involved because they, they're going to stand up for their driver and I've never been in a fight person. I don't think I would win that battle unless they take the position that you don't hit a lady. But I don't know. I've oh, never... people literally get
0: in fights, like fist fights on the uh, track. Yeah, like, road like after rage like fights. if they
2: crash. I mean it doesn't happen all the time, but there but are, are a lot of TV exchanges and they talk to the drivers right after the race is over. So they're just the reporters. Oh. So the news the cameras are on the driver like within minutes of whatever happened in the race. Right. So if you're really happy, like elated and it's all great. But if something bad happened, you can see all the emotions and I mean, it gets really intense.
0: Oh, my God. I have never seen this. It's kind of major. I love that. I'll send you some links. And then how long is the race?
2: Like, two to four hours. The top level is four hours, which I think is way too long. We'll see if they ever change it. Maybe that's
0: what they should, like, do to, like, encourage it more. If it was, like, a little quicker. You are not the
2: first person to recommend that.
0: Because it would, like, make it more, like, enticing. The reason
2: most sports only last an hour and a half.
0: So you're doing... So you're on the Canadian gorgeous tour now. You're slaying it. Last year you did like a different tour, We're different
2: on the West Coast primarily. So
0: what's your like? What like what do you want to do? What's your hopes? What's your aspirations? Yeah, so
2: I'm working with my team and my manager, my not my racing team, my Julie Landauer Racing team, um, to bring on partners, to continue to do press, and to really build up a platform where it's it's the racing is the hook, but. I can continue to advocate for women, and I'm really big with STEM education. And I think it's What's really... STEM?
0: Oh, yeah. Tell me what's STEM. I have
2: is a again? Bachelor of Science. And so, for science, technology, engineering, and math, like I'm in a technology centric sport. And I just think human machine interaction is really cool. And I think access to technical education is really important. And so, all about that. Yeah. So, I, I want to be able to use my platform for that. But the goal is to get to the top level of NASCAR. And right now, we're just working on the funding. That's kind of the biggest obstacle. And it's
0: a more like, fierce science lady based so if there's any like fierce science lady based people listening that were like inspired <laughs> by this and they're, like let's get it together Thank you do
2: yeah and and it's interesting because NASCAR is still like the second most watched sport to the NFL so it's still a really good business investment and i think you know as a driver like i really like the in person stuff and the being able to speak to a company and to their employees and um, all of that, but, but also like telling that story I think is so different and there aren't, the NASCAR has an almost 40% female fan base. And so, and you don't see a lot of female oriented products, but it's like the, you know, the pharmacy brands are so big in NASCAR. And so like I tell people, and I was joking initially, but then I was like, wow, I'm super serious that like my dream sponsor would be to have like a tampon on the side of the yes. car, you know, and like one just like, to or fight the them.
0: diva cup. Yeah. Do you know I about probably, the Diva Cup? I do.
2: I'm more of a tampon girl, but...
0: Have you ever tried one? I
2: have. And you're, well, it's like, just I, not my thing. Some people love them. Oh, I know. That's why I tried, but it just wasn't my thing it as wasn't well, my thing. Well, to each lady their own. To each lady uh, their own. But can you imagine that? And, like, no, fighting, I, love, I
0: want a big old tampon on the side of the car, too. Fighting social
2: stigma with that, I think, would be huge. And Jane I want makes, a pad.
0: Yeah, all of it. I want a fucking pad and, imagine, and a fucking tampon. They're like, gorgeous.
2: and the guys with the tampons that's great Uh, no we need it honey we need to know
0: there's nothing wrong with it from
2: a business initiative like there are only so many big feminine hygiene brands so if they can capture the nascar audience because nascar fans are the most brand loyal
0: and so it's like guys
2: let's do this yeah okay i'm the only literally the only person who has the audacity and like the authenticity to do it i love
0: that quickly yes um what how does a driver have to train? Like what do we do? We need core strength. We yeah. need neck strength. Oh, I'm we glad need... you asked
2: about that because I would have forgotten. So I started working with a trainer this year and I have noticed a huge difference in my strength, which is great. But we do a combination of strength training, endurance training, because long races, heat training, so the South is actually really good for that. And reaction time training with different games. Is
0: that kind of like would like it like would your trainer like would you ever be at the gym and you'd be sitting there and your trainer would just like throw a ball at your face really fast? So we do that, we like, do that with
2: You do that with tennis balls, and he actually uses strobe goggles, so like a strobe light, but in goggle form. And then I have to catch things to help with my depth perception and with like limited input. And his name's Trey Shannon, and he's one of the only certified people in North Carolina to also work on neck strength to try oh. to delay the onset of concussions. Because I think with Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s crash a few years ago, um, he sat out the rest of the season because he had symptoms of concussions, and another hit would have been really bad. So people think, oh, oh we're wearing a helmet we're safe but your brain still can get jostled within your skull right so concussions are bigger so although my neck is not like large and bulky it's a lot stronger than it was how do you guys
0: do neck training so
2: he has a a special system that he uses with his own resistance and it's kind of like the angle at which his resistance from his arm strength
0: and how does neck strength prevent oh because it just keeps your head more still i
2: can hold if i hit a wall at 150 miles an hour is that how fucking
0: fast it goes
2: and they go 200 miles an hour. Oh, Fastest I've gone is 174. But, like, if you hit a wall at – I mean, if you hit a wall at 40 miles an hour, you're still going to yeah. feel it. So the stronger my neck is, the more I will likely hold my head in place and it won't get jostled. But then, yeah, core, upper body. I um, I was getting super frustrated because I am a five foot five, 118-pound person, so I'm – pretty small for for a racer and I was always getting so frustrated because guys would be like oh you're too skinny like you're not strong enough and I'm fair skinned so my face gets really red even I'm in great shape but it gets really red so people are like you know just giving reasons as to why I shouldn't do it right and I would get really frustrated about that but I got my genes analyzed and apparently I am not someone who will ever put on bulky muscle but the muscle I do put on is very strong so that was again science was really cool because I've was like all right i don't need to worry about being a bodybuilder
0: that's a cool <laughs> test so,
2: yeah yeah fitness genes it's really cool
0: uh, did you it was like a 23 and me thing
2: yeah kind of you spit into a bottle but they analyze i think 420s uh shit i don't remember but a bunch of it's dozens a bunch of, of genes. genes so like they looked at sleep cycle like i've always been a light sleeper and i knew that but they kind of gave the scientific reason why i'm a light sleeper oh i love that and like i'm well, this one was really interesting so like i've always been small but i'm More likely to have a higher percentage of body fat than the average person. Even though I'm likely to be under the average weight, my body fat percentage is likely to be higher and my muscles are likely to be smaller.
0: I wonder why.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I didn't go that far into Uh, it, but it was like, but there's some
0: reason. I love that our spit, she's got so many secrets. I know. Well, Julia, I love that you came and taught me about racing. Thank I feel like I learned me. so many cool things. Is there like definitely the part in the yoga class where it's like it's the end. Is there anything I missed that I needed to say Do you or that you need to say like the, the floor is yours? Like you have a few minutes. Like do you Yeah, need to hit I mean, any poses? I
2: think I think it's really cool to be able to um kind of show the different aspects of the sport. And I think, again, a lot of people think of it as sitting and turning left, but there's so much more that goes into it. There's so much from an engineering side and an R&D side and uh, performance side. And so I think – I hope that, like, maybe that idea – you don't have to go watch NASCAR races, but I think to appreciate – the athleticism and the the technology and the complexity of the sport and um, if anyone ever has any questions or needs advice or ideas about anything related to like you know, women in male dominated fields like I'm always available reach out to me like I love hearing from people and it's just it's exciting. It's exciting to like share it with someone, someone new. So thank yes, you, Queen. Thank you
0: so much for sharing it with me. Oh, and you thank guys you. follow her. You are such a brilliant light. I'm obsessed with you. You're amazing. And just thank all you. the luck. And I hope you win all the races. And thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you, you yeah. for having me. Of course.
2: Oh, oh, oh.
0: You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Venice. My guest this week was Julie Landauer. You'll find links to Julie's work and socials in this episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JVN. Our theme music is Freak by Quinn. Thank you so much to her for letting us use it. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen so you don't miss future episodes. You get this really cute little, like, you know, notification. And it's like, honey, he's got a new episode out. And then you're like, oh, my God, yay, I can listen. And then you don't even have to, like, swipe up my Insta stories. And we all win. (laughs) Cute. Subscribing. Yes.
1: It's Sashir and Nicole from Best, Best Friends. Friends. Our podcast has been out for a few months. If you haven't listened to it, you should. We've already asked the big questions in life. Imagine if we could lay eggs. E- okay, sure. <laughs> I guess we wouldn't that be funny if you could eat from yourself? No, because that's in- when you have cannibalism. Not when you eat yourself. What? Hmm? Answer listener questions. Hi Nicole and Sashir. What happens if Sashir dies first? I mean, I've never thought of it. Well. I would be so sad. (laughs) Oh no, Nicole. Nicole. I'm not gonna die. Take Buzzfeed quizzes. Let's pick eight foods, and we'll give you a sex position to try. Whoa, this is wild. Plus, we bring on other funny best friends to talk about their friendship. I almost wanna cry, I feel, I don't know why that really made me feel emotional but It's because it's pure to talk about friendship. It is, nice. It's so nice. It's like so rare to like articulate it, but she's always there for me, like I I think she's just somebody who, Oh, (laughs) Oh, I love this, I love it so much. Oh my God. It's really sweet. Best Friends with Nicole Bayer and Sashir Zameda is new every Wednesday. On Stitcher. Apple Podcasts. Spotify or wherever. You get your podcast. Listen. Oh my God. Two. <laughs>